Hello you, good morning and greetings from Middleton Park which is a former, I think it was an old golf course but it's kind of been rewilded and there's lots of heathland and uh, there's some kind of old growth forest as well but it's an old industrial place as well, there used to be coal mines here and tramways and stuff, it's a beautiful little park. My dog is, uh, is gallivanting through the, uh, the dewy grasses and I thought uh, maybe you'd like to join me for a little reflection on some improv stuff that happened last night. So this is kind of an old school sort of episode. Um, when I first got into improv I would go away and do a course or an intensive or a workshop or something and come back and, and talk excitedly about all the things I was learning and there's been a bit of gap in that because I've been consolidating a lot of and just doing lots of putting the hours in on the improv and um, just putting all the theory into practice and um, yeah the novelty hasn't worn off I still love it very much but um, I've started to I run a community called Leeds Improv Collab which is uh, it's, it's just a lot of improvisers who come together and we play games and experiment with stuff and um, I did one of those last night um, in Headingley and um, yeah I'd really value a little bit of space just to explore what came up and how it went and this kind of thing and maybe you'll find some stuff interesting in here because improv as in life it tells us a lot about ourselves and how we react in certain situations and yeah it's a, it's a fascinating little microcosm of human nature condensed into a well a two-hour little session last night um so I've been playing a lot recently, if you've been listening to my recent episodes, um, playing a lot with uh, like a little pyramid I've designed and at the bottom of the pyramid is safety, so that's physiological safety, so that is the idea that um, how to soothe your nervous system so you're not panicked and you don't feel like there's any threats. Um, and then above that is connection, uh, this is the middle of the pyramid, which is this idea that when we're all safe with one another, and we are kind of, I guess you call it synchronized is a nice word I've been using. Uh, when we're synchronized together socially and we're all, we're not just in our own little worlds, we're actually playing off each other, we are listening, we're sharing, we're generous, we're being kind, we're making other people look good, which is all improv stuff. Um, when you have those two, the safety at the bottom, the connection in the middle, you get the top bit. And at the top is what is sometimes called presence. Or I guess it could be called potential as well. So it's like if you're feeling safe and supported, basically, um, with the people around you, in any given moment, you can access all the good stuff, all the best, like your best you, if you know what I mean. It's kind of like charisma, humour, playfulness, quick-wittedness, um, compassion, all the kind of, I guess you could call them high-functioning. Um, oh... My phone is giving me all sorts of weird um, messages about podcasting for friends. There we go. Sorry, that interrupted my flow. How rude, pod- Spotify for podcasters. Spams you with adverts while you're trying to talk to your friends. Sorry. Yeah, all our high-functioning human stuff, I guess you could call it, which is humans at their best. You know, empathetic, playful, patient, um, naturally smart. It's all about being natural. And it's all about being in the here, natural and in the here and the now. When you talk to improvisers, they often talk about, um, I guess you call it flow state actually. It's a kind of flow state where you're completely lucid and you're in the moment just with your scene partner and it's just unfolding. Stuff is coming out of you and out of them. Ideas, lines, characters, mannerisms, behaviours, movement, ideas. Just Stuff is just spilling out of you without any need to kind of 
consciously try or think. So it's kind of like a creative flow state. And that happens when you get those two things, safety and connection, or at least that creates the conditions where that stuff is more likely to, to fall out of you without any real effort or trying. So I've been doing more and more workshops playing with that. Um, when I first set up the community, it was like, oh, let's just play with characters or let's just play with movement or let's just play with, you know, whatever was kind of fun or fun at the time. And then as I did it more, it was like, oh, actually, this is quite fun facilitating. There's something about leading a group of people into a space and helping them be the best that actually kind of turns me on a bit. So I've sort of uh, assumed this role of a facilitator, not teacher. I wouldn't dare call myself that. I will bring guest teachers in. But um, yeah, I just create a kind of a, a lovely little playground for people to come and have the best time of their lives because they feel, yeah, safe. So tonight, um, this was maybe the third deliberate workshop where I've played with these two things and explicitly named it as a theme in the room. So hello everyone. Tonight we're going to play with what it's like to be synchronized with each other, to feel like we are relaxed and comfortable and that will bring us into the here and now which is a kind of friendly way of describing uh, the pyramid I've just described. Now I just need to come off and uh, bollock my dog because he's going and pestering a dog that does not want to be bothered right now. Yeah, back again. Hello. <laughs> Sorry about the interruption. This is the curse of being a dog parent. You kind of always have to have... I don't know. Do you have, If you have children, you'll know this. Or, or looked after children or relatives um, or people who need care and attention. You always have to kind of dedicate like a... Hold back a 10 or 20% of your attention to make sure that they're all right. Which is interestingly what it's like being... Um, playing with the stuff as a facilitator when you're doing improv. You've always got to hold a bit back to make sure that everyone else is... Yeah, safe and connected. And there's an irony in there that you can never be fully present and fully connected with people because you always have to hold that back to monitor the room. So that's the bittersweet irony I noticed last night going, oh, I can never fully give myself what I'm giving these people because there will always be that kind of expectation on me to, uh, to, to, uh, yeah, be in, in charge of the room, I guess. Not in charge of the room, in charge of, uh, managing the room and the vibe. So what did we do last night? This was, yeah, like I said, about the third or fourth, maybe, epi um, workshop where I've deliberately, I've described it like, in, in improv we talk about, um, or Chris Mead taught me this, it's about the improv diamond where, if you imagine a diamond line on its side, point to point, you start at a point with nothing and then you broaden it out until it hits the middle where the diamond kind of has the two widest parts and then it tapers back, doesn't it, to a point at the other side. So it's almost like you're guiding people from nothing um, kind of opening their minds, introducing information. Maybe you teach people, that's when you start teaching, you give them information, you expand possibilities. And then there comes a point where you've given them enough that you kind of start to wind it back down again. And this is like, I guess at its simplest level, it's just like, um, uh, we just make people feel safe. Uh, not what you want to say here. It's kind of like how at the start you don't bombard people and jump straight in. You have to kind of warm people up, don't you? You warm people up, then you get them into the creative space, which is the broadest part of the diamond, and then the other side you start to wind it down and you check out and you make people make sure people feel all right and then you lead them home again. Someone said it's like when I do these sessions, it's kind of a bit like improv and well-being. That's the kind of thing. So rather than just throwing people in at the deep end and leaving them to kind of just flail a little bit in the deep waters which I have experienced in improv that some, some teachers don't really think this is very important, this kind of, I guess you call it, the, 
touchy-feely care side of things, but I do, and I think there's not enough of that, at least in the improv that I've done, this kind of um, caregiving, reflection. Not that it gets in the way, it's just like, how are you going to learn if you don't have time to kind of sit around and have a very short discussion and reflection on how, what just what you loved and what you learned? Um, tangent. Where were we? Yeah, so what did we do? Um, I played the first game. So the first game we played, and improv is all about playing little short kind of activities or exercises with creative constraints. And the first one I played was a mashup of a few different things so a lady called Andy L taught me this kind of character walk where you walk around the room and you lead with your body um, my friend Lodi who's also a listener I hope she's listening hello Lodi uh, described a, um, a scenario where you were kind of walk, walking around the room and, and adopting a kind of as if you are um, going about your kind of commute going to find the train you're rushed maybe you're late for the train you know maybe you see people along the way it's kind of like that that kind of role play and also my own stuff around um playing with body sculpting, posture and collapse, so making yourself small, making yourself big. And I just had people wandering around the room, and at first it was kind of like, um, and this is actually, if, if, if you might find this helpful, but um, if you feel kind of stressed out, a good way to kind of calm yourself and, and get, land back in the moment is to soften your gaze and just gently move your eyes kind of left and right to the very peripheral, periphery of your vision. And that kind of like, it's almost like scanning around, looking for anything that is... Uh, coming towards you or at you, which may be a threat, and your brain sees this and realises there's nothing there, everything's safe, there's just what you expect there, and that's a good way of soothing your, your nervous system. So we did a bit of that, soft focus, and then I did this kind of like, this cool um, technique I learned off uh, a teacher called Henry Lidyard, who I did a, an Enneagram retreat with recently, and it was about how if you soften your gaze and you wander around the room and you just notice the kind of the outlines of people, so the shapes of human beings, but without making eye contact directly with them because that's when it can get us a little bit activated like a little bit aroused because we start to notice the chemistry and is this person a, you know a welcome or warning all this kind of nervous system stuff which is all happening all the time even though we're not conscious of it it's very kind of instinctive so yeah um doing that to sort of regulate and i guided them through like first of all we did soft focus just notice yourself notice your size how big you are in the room what does that feel like you know, what space are you occupying? What's your distance between you and, you know, the walls, um, other people? Then noticing the shape of people, but just soaking in the whole of them rather than making eye contact. And then we're like, when you feel ready, kind of, yeah, make a little eye contact with that person. Um, or just, um, change your focus from soft to kind of, yeah, focused or sharpen your focus, I guess is the word. Um, make eye contact and then we sort of like what it was gently taking people from a point of um being in their own little world to being in a more social world and um uh, dog's just heard something and he's going absolutely berserk if you heard the little pitter patter of paws just running past um and we start the exercise facing outward from the room which is something i pinched from jen hardy which is if you want to get people um yeah, if you're starting with people, like, assume that they are in their own world, they may be bringing some stress into the room, they may be a little bit tense. So don't immediately stand them in front of a group and make them do something. That's just going to make it worse. So facing outwards from the room, and I didn't do it last night, but my next plan is to kind of have them mime their daily routine. So brushing your teeth, getting ready to leave the house, finding your keys, 
grabbing your pack lunch, whatever, stuff like that. Because doing a, a, a daily routine that's kind of mundane is, is kind of like an anchor. It's familiar and it's a good way of indicating to yourself, oh, everything's normal, I'm just doing a normal thing here and everything's kind of under control. So people feel safe. So did that, backing in. Then we did the whole soft focus thing, noticing other people. And then we wandered around the room and I got people to kind of greet them, greet one another as an acquaintance. So really polite kind of nod or just like a, an acknowledgement that I see you. And then there was um, escalating it to, oh, and now you're seeing a friend, someone who you're on good terms with. And there was more of a warmer greeting. And then it was like um, a loved one or an old cherished friend who you've lost touch with. You've just reconnected with them. And just seeing how that shifted around the room. And all the while just saying to people, oh, just notice what's different now. How does that feel different to where you were, just were? And a really funny thing happened is that people started to get more energised and excited and pacing as, and this was an observation by someone who was there. And it made me think about um, how now that we're making eye contact and we're noticing and paying attention to each other, then we become a bit more activated. Whereas before, when we were sort of in our own worlds, we were maybe feeling a little bit safer and tighter. So I'm going to play with that. I'm not sure what that's telling me about how to do this exercise, but it felt like something was changing and we were influencing state, which is really interesting to me as a facilitator, is how can we play with our yeah bodily state to... Uh, to influence this kind of, yeah, the safety, the connection, the presence. I'm going to pause again because my dog's gone missing. <laughs> Gosh, I tell you what, this is where they're, all that, all that um, uh, return training, all that recall training comes in. Like, I, I panic sometimes. You have that moment that where you're like, he's gone too far to hear me. He's been snatched by a dog snatcher. He's fallen down a hole. But yeah, you shout two, three times and back he comes, my little dog, Laurie. He's a terrier. And terriers are very willful and, and stubborn and tough. And they know they're on mind, but he's he's um, he's pretty well trained and obedient for a terrier. When he thinks he can get away with it, he'll push his luck. But on the whole, he's very uh, he's very good and he's very adorable and he's quite intimate at the minute. And we're we're, having, we're feeling pretty close, which is good. He's uh, he's maturing from a puppy into an adult. So where were we? So that was the warm up. Yeah, the physical. And I think the moving round is is good as well. The moving round and moderating our pace our speed and yeah where we are in relation to others is good and then we did some kind of pair work with um what did we move into next hmm it was yeah you just we did we did a the gift game have you ever played the gift game which where you um one person gives the gift but you don't say what it is the recipient names that gift and then the person who uh, gave the gift then knowing what it is says why they chose it and then the recipient finally to close it off says why it's the perfect gift so it's like a classic improv agreeing and building game so um both of you contribute you know naming what the gift is justifying the gift and being really grateful for um yeah what for why you got it and why it's perfect sort of thing so it's it's a really nice kind of exercise just to get your imagination going but also to remember that we're here to play with each other and make each other feel really good so we did a few more gift giving things and then we played a little game called the village which is ace it's a trust game so do you remember trust games like these are big i seem to remember these were like massive in like the 80s where it was like trust falls where you fall backwards and people catch you that's the archetypal one where you just stand there and there's people behind you and they catch you but this one was more about it's almost like you imagine you're all members of a village um and you all have different jobs and you're all going about your business and you all have numbers and one by one um randomly i will shout out a number or someone will shout out a number and that person then faints as if they've well 
they faint and then they have to justify it in character why they fainted and what happened and everyone has to show concern and help them and catch them before they hit the ground so it's a trustful thing but it's also a kind of um, you get to be playful with it as well and um yeah the, the stories start to emerge about the village like what was going on and like things we had like that there was hot weather and there was uh, a horse going berserk and there was joy riders and an ambulance because someone had uh, yeah um, chopped off their fingers lots of people getting their fingers chopped off weirdly um so we had a bit of that and the point of that was just to kind of create a a social network or bring the social dynamics gently into the room like you know where we are who we are what's going on between us just to sort of uh yeah regulate and this is the whole point it's like i'm talking about the diamond before it's like taking people on a like a bell curve like gently i'm thinking about this in terms of our nervous system so regardless of what your head's thinking i'm more interested in the body and the heart it's like gently gently introducing what will be happening what what more of what will be happening later as we go into the session and we do more immersive deeper maybe even more challenging exercises i mean granted it's quite limited what you can do in a two-hour um play session but i I want to do a workshop and i'm planning on doing um the first ones of these early in the new year where it's more of a i don't know a full day thing six hours or something where we can go a bit deeper and the exercises can be a little bit more edgy to sort of push people to the edges of uh of, of what's going on and and also empower them to, to bring regulation to themselves to soothe themselves as opposed to just the facilitator making it all happen which is you could you sort of have to when you you have a limited amount of time you have to kind of get to the good stuff quicker um so that was the village and then my theory was okay now that everyone's warmed up we can do some scene stuff and scene is scene stuff is where i guess people feel the most nervous so in in improv we do scenes where we have characters, maybe there's a plot, something happens and it's two people and there's an audience and we watch it and the whole thing is completely unscripted and unplanned which for most people like your, your ass would drop out when you hear that. Improvisers love it but still um, people were saying last night like that that is when the real kind of the, the panic comes in is when you're in front of other people and you're being exposed and you don't know what's going to happen and there's a pressure to perform and you start to notice all these kind of things coming in i've got to be funny i've got to act i've got to be clever i've got to be smart you know i've got to do everything right um and um improv's all about like well at least my improv is like i I don't think i'm a a fast and furious clever improviser i kind of like the the heart stuff i like the emotional relating and i think that's where the really rich improv comes is where I guess it's in life, isn't it? You know, when two people are feeling comfortable and safe with each other, they can be a little bit more vulnerable, share a little bit more of the the heart stuff, what's really going on, kind of what's really true for you. And then you get that depth, but also, like, the humour will naturally come out of that, I find. Especially if, like, things like... If your humour's like me, when you go to some really dark places, the humour's a really good, great place to bounce off that or to acknowledge what's going on between you that feels a little bit edgy and uncomfortable it's just like say something a little bit inappropriate or dark like that's 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 um that's rich territory for humor whereas you could just do kind of some throwaway stuff like um i don't know silly animal stuff and um scatological stuff like shallow stuff that kind of raises a laugh but um playing with stereotypes that kind of thing but that's funny as well i guess um in a kind of short-term way but the uh, the slower the deeper 
the more emotional natural stuff is where I'd like to go. So we played some over agreeing games, which is again just making people feel good about themselves. It's like you get two people up, one of you starts doing something like a, a job or a task and the other person has to come on, join that and just totally over agree with everything. So they're going to be all about like saying yes to everything, making the other person look good, just being really enthusiastic and really into whatever this other person is doing, the first person who was up. Um, and we just played a few scenes of that and it was kind of like classic improv again. And then we went into, um, what did we play then? Oh, this was a slightly edgier game actually. We played a little one called, uh, what's it, is it character trading? I can't remember what the name of the game is, but one of you, it's, oh, it's, it's called It's Tuesday. And the promise is that one of you just massively overreacts to something the other character says. And the, 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 the name is like, it's Tuesday, because you come on, you, someone says, oh, it's Tuesday, and you go, it's Tuesday? Oh, not Tuesday, you know what happens on Tuesday? And then they just kind of like, a whole scene emerges out of that. We played that, um, around having, one of you has an overreaction, the scene kind of follows from that overreaction, and then it flips around and someone, the other person who didn't have the reaction, then has a reaction to the person who had the first reaction, if you follow me. And it's just about, um, bringing in stronger, bigger, more emotive reactions. And, and generally people go to places like anger. Now what was really interesting has happened last night is we tend to go to anger or like sexy love and attraction because they feel like kind of natural opposites and they're really easy emotions to access. They're quite primal rather than subtle, you know, um, subtle emotions like I guess apathy or kind of like um I'm, I'm sure to name them I, I need to take an emotion wheel in to play with but what was happening last night was interesting is people did that like I did it as well we go to the the base simple emotions anger shame fear because they are within easy grasp but what normally happens if you see this happening in a like a standard kind of improv jam where people just turn up to a, a night and go on stage and do a random bit of improv together you'll see disagreement and argument and conflict but it won't be very watchable because the two people haven't got anything going between them and you as a watcher you're like i haven't got any stakes in this this makes no sense i'm not interested in this i don't care who who wins you know the argument or the conflict or what comes out of this i've just i'm not invested in this so what happened last night though is because i think we've been working on the safety because we've been working on the connection because people felt like they were synchronized we did get some conflict because that is, like I said, the go-to place for uh, for improv if you're kind of feeling a little bit flighty and a little bit nervous. But because they felt they felt that kind of rapport and safety, we just had kind of a more fraternal kind of tension, a more familial tension. So the kind of disagreement you'd have between two mates winding each other up, you know, or a kind of sibling rivalry or... You know, just like family, tension between family members. Like we had a little bit of that going on, but it felt okay. It felt watchable. It felt plausible and it felt dramatic, which was good. So that was kind of working. Um, but the big thing, and I'm, I'm going to draw this to a close soon because I realize I might be wittering into a kind of wormhole that you might not want to follow if you're not improviser, but I'm trying to abstract the lessons for life as well. Um, is we played the Guru game. Now, the Guru game is from another love of mine called Authentic Relating. And it's a game where one of you gets to be like, um, well, a guru, like a kind of, uh, I guess you could call him, uh, almost like a, him, him, them, uh, a messiah, a wise person, 
a kind of magician, a kind of sage, someone, you know, who just has the keys to the universe in their wisdom. And everyone else is just a disciple who sits around them and is really reverent and worshipful and adoring. Um, and we play that, and normally you play it like um, where the guru is the guru of something kind of relevant, like in AR it would be something about love, the guru of relationships, or just something that that person's really into, you know, like the guru, I, if I did it, I'd be the guru of improv, like not that I am a guru of improv, but you know, I'd try, you're faking it, you're improvising it. And you give a little sermon about that thing that you have all the wisdom about, and then people can ask you questions, these devoted disciples can like fawn, or like break down and look for wisdom and stuff and we played that but it's the first time i've done it with improvisers because normally like in ar we do it we do it like i say like quite not seriously but we, we we are asking actual questions that we care about and there is some truth in the improv last night so i was curious to see how much truth came in in the comedy and also just how much silliness there was um so we took some suggestions we had the guru of i think it's baked beans washing and cheese, I think, was the other one. Which, like, and I was like, oh, they're kind of a bit specific. I'm not sure what we'll get out of this, but you'd be surprised how much, how universal people's interpretation of what a guru is like and what they say and what they do. You know, they talk in kind of like um, idioms. You know, they talk in like logic that's just reverse. You know, ask. You know, that, that whole kind of thing, like about. Um, Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country, that kind of thing. You just say something and then reverse it back the other way and it sounds wise. People were doing that. People were kind of just saying one thing and completely contradicting themselves. The disciples were like repeating the words and going, oh, ooh, and no, 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 yeah, yes, yes, yes. You know, like all this kind of stuff, like really playing it up. But it was good because the improvise, like the, the, the guys who played the, um, the guru were really embracing it. And yes, they, they kind of were, being funny but accidentally funny which is kind of the best well in my experience in improv when you're accidentally funny and you're intentionally you're just being you're just being you and you're just being genuine and you're having real reactions and saying real things and you're not trying which is what i spoke about the top, uh, the, the top of the, this episode that's when you get the real rich stuff and that was happening in the guru game and what i was really kind of pleased with is well, first of all, taking a risk. Like I've, I've, like I said, I've played it in other contexts. I've not played it with improvisers, and I wanted to see how they reacted to it and what how they took it. Because it is a very structured exercise. You know, there's a sermon for this many minutes, and then there's a question each, and you're playing the character in this kind of way. It is quite a formalised, guided exercise. But there was actually more freedom than I thought, and the creative constraints really helped with that. Um, but what I was really pleased with is, and this is kind of minor, but it's all about setting the environment and setting the context and it is about the safety thing is i put music on <laughs> i found a playlist called mystical mystical forest on spotify go and find it and uh, listen and you'll hear what it's like it's kind of all backing tracks that sound a bit like lord of the rings type stuff you know like going through rivendell or you know and that was going on in the background and the guru like the music influenced the behavior of everyone the reverence the kind of the sacredness of the experience and it was just a joy to have that contrast of someone talking about you know how to wash yourself with water and also not with water and to be clean and not clean at the same time like just absolute horseshit like it just sat really beautifully against that music and i think people really enjoyed it there was like a kind of 
there was a glow about the room. People were kind of like, that's a good game. I've not played anything like that. Is that Was that improv or wasn't it? When we were improvising because you had to pretend to be a, a guru and you had to pretend to be a disciple. But also, it was hard, I noticed, for the gurus not to actually take something like a baked bean and abstract universal wisdom from it you know like about nourishment and goodness in your body and the humble baked bean and what it gives to you and all this kind of stuff it's like that was really beautiful to witness is uh like that the, the game had this lovely um i'm gonna have to pause my dog's bothering someone again yeah my dog's got like a radar for the most if, if, if there's an antisocial very large dog who doesn't want any attention laurie will just hunt him down like a little missile and just try and play and if he can't get any attention he goes to the owner and just starts jumping up and trying to solicit attention and treats out of them he's a right little rascal but he's a good boy when he comes back so um that was the guru game um definitely going to use that and i think it's a really accessible one so when i do my workshops that's a nice one to end on because everyone just feels good about themselves you know you can get some wisdom you can have a bit of fun um and it just feels really nice just to sort of, uh, yeah, worship kind of um, the magic of what's going on between people. Um, and the final one we did, was there any more? Yeah, there was, we played the next game, and this is a beautiful game, this to end with. It was, um, this is another authentic related one. It's where you, you tell a person next to you something you would really love to hear right now at this particular moment. So it could be some reassurance. It could be some praise. It could be some wisdom or insight that you've just had. It's just something that feels like it would be nice to hear right at this moment. So you say that to the person next to you, they say it back to you, and then everyone else in the group looks at you straight on and just says, you know, like some, someone said, um, um, you know, I am well. And it was like you look back and you go, you're well. And everyone looks back at you and goes, you are well. And it's really lovely just to have that kind of message that you want to hear played back at you. Um, and then we closed it off and had some reflections about how that went. And there are some bikes and some horses come in, which is not not what happened in the session, but it's what's happening right now with my tiny distracted dog. Thank you. Um, and um, my one is surprisingly, I, I, I kind of like. I just said, yeah, I'm. I'd like to hear. You know, people felt safe and connected tonight. And everyone looked at me and they were like, you, you do, you can, you do this, this happened, you know, you, you do make people feel safe and welcome, I am, I do feel safe, I am welcome, you know, you can, just, you can do this, like, pat on the back, and I was like, ah, oh, phew, it worked, this thing that I put loads of effort into, creating this diamond, creating this kind of, this arc of an experience, being kind of, yeah, very deliberate about the kind of, rather than just having a ragtag bunch of games that would be fun to play, like, this is the experience and journey I'd like to lead people on. Like, not being kind of wedded to the kind of things that they learn. Like, if there's one thing I've learned about facilitating is that people will have a, the learning experience that they, that their system permits them to or that their system needs to have. They will learn what they've got to learn. I can't, I can't, um, force that learning. I can just create conditions for them to have the right insight, I, the right insights that they need to have at that particular time in their life and i think that kind of happened i mean all right it was only two hours but you know the, the intention was to help them feel safe protected. they felt that and um yeah there were reflections from the games and people like realizing that 
yeah, there is something to do with like how well I perform has something to do with how safe I feel and how supported I feel by the people around me. So yeah, there's something in it. I'm going to keep doing more of these workshops and just exploring this theme and finding a bunch of games that do that and also work with the the bell curve with the diamond just seeing how i build that in a really kind of deliberate way that uh, that works and takes people on a a very nice journey and i'd like to be more challenging actually with the games to actually explore what it is to to not have that safety maybe and to um just in a gentle sort of controlled way and i'd like to also help people realize like when your ass is dropping out and you don't feel safe and you don't feel like you're supported like what can you do to request it or create it for yourself like state change stuff that i mentioned earlier on i think i mean that's what i do in my coaching world normally is help people work with the state they're in and influence that or just accept it for what it is and give yourself some peace and not have a hard time for being the way you are which is all big stuff ah there's a horse coming my dog doesn't like horses did you hear that in the background it was a kind of my dog's little ears pricked up, so I'm going to take him in the opposite. Let's go in the opposite direction to the horses, Laurie. Good boy. He goes absolutely batshit when he sees a horse. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. That was a long one, wasn't it? Half an hour. I hope that wasn't too indulgent, but um, it felt good. And hopefully gives you a, a sense of the kind of stuff that I'm getting into. Um, stuff that I'm into. And, yeah, what might be fun, if you fancy getting in a room and playing with this stuff, you can sign up to my... Uh, I've got a, a mailing stroke waitlist for when I start doing this workshop, like the more immersive version of what we've been exploring and, and everything I've just explored. When that happens in early in the new year, go to chriskenworthy.co.uk forward slash authentic hyphen improv or drop me an email chris at chriskenworthy.co.uk or find me on Instagram chriskenworthy or one word. And I can fill you in on the loop. Maybe you'd like to join and help me shape this and experience this thing of safety and connection because I'm sure you've heard a lot of improv type stuff. But I think we could all do with being a little bit more present, couldn't we? We could all do with being a little bit more in the here and now and being available, emotionally available, physically available, mentally available to the people and the situations that need us rather than being in our own little world and maybe a little bit panicked and flustered and all up in our own heads and overthinking things and you know not really giving our full best self and trying as well it's so much effort isn't it to go through life just just trying so hard all the time like what if we could try a bit less and just trusted ourselves to be our innate natural human brilliant beings there's a thing i'll leave you with that thought thanks for listening love you bye